The Knights and Panthers, they've had to wait a week. Welcome in. Today is Tuesday, June 11th, and this is another edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, JMU football beat writer at the paper and host of the podcast. Joined alongside, as always, by sports editor Jim Sacco, prep writer Cody Elliott, you know, I went on vacation, and I thought, I thought, I thought we'd be we'd be coming back to either some champions or, or the high school season being over. This was supposed to be your guys's easy week. Oh, it'll never end. It'll never end. Hey, you know, I know, I know they took a beating on Twitter, the Virginia High School League, and. and what what are they supposed to do? I, I thought I, I you know I thought it was a good job that they were actually proactive about this. You know when they started doing this stuff on what was it Thursday or Wednesday? I forgot when they Wednesday, started on Wednesday morning when they started sending out this series of emails. And it's tough, and you're not going to make everybody happy. Uh, you know, and I understand there were some hiccups with the uh, the tennis. You know, maybe they could have done a better job with the tennis states because they, they had teams playing on. Uh, and two court indoor facilities, which meant five, six-hour tennis team matches. But, I mean, in terms of baseball and softball and the soccer, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't fight Mother Nature. And I thought they did, you know, as good as a job as they could do with this and, and rescheduling stuff. And they're proactive, and that's all you'd want to ask from them, right? Yeah, I mean, all you had to do was look at the images from the soccer championships that were played over the weekend, and, and you could have easily figured out that there was no way that any baseball or softball could have been played down there. I mean, Looking at the Stonewall girls game and, and, and the Lee boys and, and just what they were playing in, I mean, it was absolutely awful. There's there's zero chance any baseball or softball could happen down there this weekend. My favorite was in the, I think it was scrimmage play, tweeted out a photo of the Albemarle boys soccer team holding their state championship trophy, and it was wrapped up in this huge Ziploc bag, you know, and it was just, I mean, there is the sign of the times. But, yeah, this hopefully this ends this week and we get a, we'll get one of those quote-unquote easy weeks here next week. Yeah, I, I was going to say, this has been a long high school year for you. You guys, you think back to East Rock football, East Rock basketball, the Spotswood girls basketball team. It's just a long season. This spring is just it, it just has kept on going. Uh, but in case you missed it, uh, last week's VHSL state semis and championships were postponed to this week to bad weather on the baseball and softball side. So after a week off, games will be played Thursday. Uh, semifinal games Thursday, championship games Friday, and there are three local teams left. After beating Cave Spring 3-0 last Tuesday in the VHSL Class 3 state quarters, Turner Ashby softball will face Skyline at 9 a.m. on Thursday morning at the Moyer Complex in Salem with a title game berth on the line. In Class 2 softball, Page County will meet Richlands at Radford at noon. Uh, that's after the Panthers squeaked by Nottaway, one nothing in the quarters last week. And then the other local left is Page County Baseball in the Class 2 uh, VHSL State Semis as the Panthers will play Lebanon at 3 p.m. at Calfee Park excuse me, in Pulaski. So that's what you have on tap. Let's begin with TA Softball. The Knights a 3-0 winner over Cave Spring. Uh, to advance to the state semifinals. Cody, what impressed you most 
about their quarterfinal win? Well, I just think the response after the Region uh, 3C championship lost to Liberty to come out there against K-Spring team um, with a, a UVA commit on the mat or in the circle, um, and then to come out and obviously they lost last year to K-Spring in that same game, um, and just to come out there and take care of business and, and come out of there with a three nothing win. Obviously, Michaela Sizik with another great performance pitching wise. Um, they did just enough little things, kind of kind of like what Liberty did against them in the championship. They did enough little things um, early on to get a lead, and then uh, let Michaela. Just just kind of deal from there, and they are able to come out there with the win. Um, you know, Clint Curry was just thrilled with that that win on um, you know the day afterwards on Tuesday, I guess it was when I went in and talked to him. Um, he said that was huge for them um, to beat that pitcher, and then to beat the Rustburg pitcher earlier in the regional round. He he just said that they faced a lot of good arms, um, and he feels good about where they are now and, and kind of in the position they're in um, heading into the semifinals. Yeah, you look at Michaela Sizik in that game, equally as good as any pitcher uh, that they faced. Uh, Sizik struck out 15 in the shutout at Cave Spring, uh, and that, that's kind of been the name of the game as, as, as much as we've talked here on a podcast, that they'll go you know, kind of as far as Sizik takes them. Your story earlier this week uh, was on the relationship, and I thought this was a really neat story, on the relationship between Carly Davis, the catcher, uh, another Division One player, by the way, a future Division One player, and Sizik, uh, because you have to have a good dynamic, as, as maybe as individually talented as both of those girls are. They're they're better together because of that chemistry, right? Is that what that is that kind of what you found out? Yeah, and talking to them, I mean, I, see, I think they they've played together forever. They've played together for ten or eleven years now, and and then, but the, the way they talked to me about it is they said that this year. Um, you know, maybe it's because it's their senior year, maybe it's because it's their last go-round, but they felt like their relationship has really grown this year specifically, and they felt like that's been, the, re- the result has been, you know, Michaela having so much success. Um, she was quick to tell me that Carly was a big reason why she's been so successful this year. Um, not that she hasn't been in previous years, but this year, obviously, she's been able to take it to another level, which was something Curry also pointed to. Um, he kind of mentioned that, you know, Michaela's kind of put the team on, her, on their back, or her back a little bit. So, I think that relationship between the two has has definitely paid off for them and um, you know when you're looking at just overall what both players bring to the field you know you could argue that they're the best you know pitcher catcher duo in the state. Yeah this this was Carly Davis on her relationship with Michaela Sizik this was uh, Carly talking to Cody earlier this week. Well we're close anyways Mm -hmm. Um, we have a lot of classes together through school we've played together for about 10 years crazy um, my first ever travel ball team was with her. And so um, we've just grown a lot. And this past year has been like crazy how much we've gotten closer and tighter. And she has to have a lot of sh- trust in me. Mm-hmm. And I also have to trust her because I call the pitches. So if I don't think that she's going to be able to throw that pitch, then I can't call it on right. a you know, 3-0 count. I just have to really believe in her and she has to believe in me. Jim, how do you kind of see it from afar? Just because you, you've covered a lot of high school softball and when you see a duo like that, how do you kind of stack them up against players that you've seen in the past, duos that you've seen in the past? Well, it's one of the better ones, obviously, and it's going to make all the difference in the world because if this is if this is a team that's void of that kind of senior leadership, and I'm th- talking about Michaela Sizik, I'm talking about Carly Davis, I'm also talking about Ashton Richmond, who's part of that three-person senior class there, I would be worried if these three girls weren't on this team. I would be worried because you get over this cave spring hump, and then maybe immediately you're overlooking Skyline, you're looking over you're looking over at that other hump, Liberty Bedford, that you haven't been able to get over, that you want to get over as a possible state championship matchup against. But that's where these three girls, and specifically Carly Davis and Michaela Sizik, come into play here. I mean, that's 
those are two Division One athletes who are going to go play Division One softball. They have to be leaders because that's you know. I'd say that's 60% of what these college coaches are looking at at Division One level is like, oh, where's this talent? Okay, now what about this leadership ability? And that's going to make all the difference in the world, and I think you're going to see it right out there against Skyline because they've got to, they got to overcome a lot. Okay, they got to overcome looking ahead to Liberty Bedford, the possible matchup with Liberty Bedford, with all, with all due respect to Warren County, and they've had a week off. You know, this game, they're supposed to be on senior week. They're supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be enjoying summer vacation right now or going to classes at Elon or, you know, or their, their colleges they're moving on to. They're not. I mean, they had to keep this, after these three, it's a fairly young squad. They had to keep this fairly young squad, you know, locked in for a week of just practice, some of which with this weather was indoor practice. Fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, which is boring and drudgery, and you know what it is. And and they got to keep these the rest of this team just you know with their eyes on the next game, which is Skyline. The next game isn't Friday at 9 a.m. for a state championship against possibly Liberty Bedford or Warren County. I'm sure they would love to see Liberty Bedford because there's no love lost between those two teams. Uh, they got to keep this group in order, and I think you're going to see that leadership going to pay dividends Thursday when they got to get up at night, you know, you know, when they got to play, get up at nine, eight thirty in the morning, roll out the Salem Moyer complex and play bait and play a softball at 9am. You're going to see that leadership shine through. I mean, I'll be down there Thursday. So I'm really curious to how this team responds to that response to an early game response to the, the layoff and then response to not looking ahead to the ultimate goal. Yeah, this was Clint Curry on Carly Davis's leadership. An interesting little tidbit here uh, from Curry. All she does, uh, like yesterday, we had a situation yesterday, actually two situations yesterday, and Carly, she took control of the situation. She gathered the whole infield in. She brings them together. She talks to them. She, you know, she just keeps them calm, mm-hmm. keeps them relaxed. She gets Michaela refocused. Right. And and you know, we're we're blessed as coaches to have kids like that. that. Was- so it'll be the Knights against Skyline, uh, with a ch- state championship berth uh, on the line. Cody, what do you make of this Skyline team? What have you kind of looked at in, in preparation as, as TA uh, gets faced get gets ready to face Skyline? Yeah, I mean, they, they were the uh, Region 3B runner-up. Um, they lost to Warren County in their region. So you have, you know, two regions left in the semifinals here. You've got the champion, uh, the two champions actually facing off over on the one side of the bracket, which is ironic. And then you've got the two runner-ups facing up, facing each other on the other side. Um, but just looking at some of their mutual opponents, um, they played Spotswood twice this year. They played Central, who uh, played East Rock. So there's not a lot of familiarity with them, with the two teams. Um, talking to Clint Curry, he said, you know, and this was last Tuesday or Wednesday whenever I talked to him, so this was before all the postponements, but he didn't know a lot about them even then. Um, but he, he did feel like they had already kind of seen maybe the best pitcher left that they could possibly face in terms of Abby Weaver from Cave Spring. Um, I just think T.A., you know, that, that was such a, a confidence-building win. Um, you know, now I, what the thing that, you know, what – we kind of are forgetting here is is at this stage the, the postponement just throws so many other factors into it. you can't just you know look at talent alone or or experience or anything like that you've got to wonder like Jim said you know some of these players were supposed to be going for trips on vacation or heading off to college to go to their campus and and how you know all those players respond and how they handle this week off and this week of just waiting um, that has to come into play and that's going to make a huge difference for all these games across all the different sports and all the different classifications this week. And you got to look at too, you know, with Skyline, you know, they're probably going to throw Emma Benson, who is their pitcher. I believe started all eight. Yeah, she started 18 games for them. She's eight and ten. She's got a 3.79 ERA, and 
you know, Skyline lost their pitcher from last year, their, their big starter from last year, and Emma didn't have a lot of pitching experience going into this year. So, I mean, you know, you can't see the air quotes here because it's a podcast, but she's kind of filling in. You know, she's kind of this stopgap uh, with not a lot of experience and trying to build experience this year. So I think, you know, if you're looking at who's going to respond better, I think that senior leadership might trump uh, a pitcher for Skyline who's maybe not all that experienced in the circle or is having a first year of experience in the circle. Well, especially when Sizzik's in the circle for, yeah. for TA. You, you weigh that experience because she's pitched in a lot of these big games before, and that, that has to mean something when you go into a state semifinal. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is nothing new. Yeah. You know, this is just another game for, for someone like Michaela. I mean, it's – and, yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> – this is what she's. This is what her and Carly and the rest of this team is built for for the past two years. This is, you know, Clint Curry said after they just ruined Monticello, eighteen nothing. You know, he's like, this we're on a mission, man. You know, and this is, you know, they can smell the end of the mission right now. It's just, can they keep it together and can they not, you know, be tempted to waft over with the, you know, with the smells and miss out on Skyline? Yeah, we, we, we've. I've, I've kind of asked you this question before, Cody, uh, just about some other key players on TA who have to show up. Uh, in this particular matchup with Skyline, as the Hawks enter 18 and six overall, the Knights 22 and four. Who are some of those secondary pieces at TA uh, that, that matter in this one? Uh, I think I've, I've pointed to her last week before the quarterfinal game. I just think Kaylin Howard is, is that other big bat outside of you know you start out there with Gracie Moore in the leadoff spot. Um, she's obviously going to try and get on base. Uh, I've read a story to her last week about kind of her role, and even if she doesn't get on base, just kind of explaining to Michaela and Carly what to expect. And then you've got those two in that two and three spot, which carry a big load of that offense. But Kaylin Howard has shown that ability to have big hits, um, you know, with both power and just getting on base. So I think she's kind of that X factor. For them, um, if she has a big game or she gets even a, you know a hit or two to kind of bring in a run, a run or two throughout the game, I think that can really make a difference because you kind of know what you're getting with Michaela and Carly. Um, if she if she brings that third piece right there to kind of provide a consistent presence, I think that makes a huge difference for them. So, do you guys think TA will get to the championship game? I won't ask you if they'll win it all, but I, do you think they get to Friday? I think that senior leadership and the quality of the senior leadership they have out of their battery and Sizik and Davis is gonna is gonna be that X factor that's gonna get them over that hump and at least to play Friday. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think just those two and the way that they they have stepped up as leaders all year and the way this team has kind of responded to adversity every time they faced it this season. Um, you know, usually with losses, usually not with a postponement for a week. But uh, I, th- I just think with having those two and, and Ashton Richmond in, the, in that locker room and throughout this past week, kind of keeping them focused, um, it's like having extra coaches on the field with them. So you know, having those extra leaders on the field every day, um, I think they're going to come out ready to go, and, and I expect them to get to Friday morning. So. TA softball, well, we'll go from there to Page County softball uh, as the Panthers, defending state champion, off a 1-0 win over Nottaway in the quarterfinals behind Sabrina Foltz's shutout. And Foltz, uh, well, I'll just touch on this for a minute. Foltz is a lot different than Sizzik. She does it in a different fashion. Sizzik's overpowering. You look at the strikeout numbers, they're off the charts for Sizzik. But Foltz can get it done interesting enough. Why, right? That's, it's kind of a neat a neat contrast. Yeah, she does. She doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. I mean, and, and according to Paige Coach Allen Knight, I mean, he's kind of said that he's never really had a pitcher who's done that. He said he's 
Yankees just always had pitchers who have got the job done. They've played good defense behind them. Um, a lot of ground outs, a lot of fly outs, uh, and that's what I've, that's what you know throughout the entire postseason run you've seen from Fultz is even when she's let you know a runner or two get on base. Um, I don't know how many times against Nottaway they had runners at second and third, and and you know Sabrina would have one out on the on the board and would manage to get you know a ground out or or a fly out to left, a fly out to right, and quickly get out of the inning. Um, she just manages to get it done somehow, and um, there, there's nothing really fancy about it. She doesn't overpower you, but she gets the job done, and, and it's worked for them throughout this postseason. Her off-speed is just absolutely sick. I mean, it's just absolutely sick. I was at that taking photos at an Ottawa game, and she would just set them up with two heaters, you know, and then and, and what, what, what it just astounds me about her off-speed, though, is that the arm is moving the same. I mean, there's no... There's no, no change. There's yeah, no change in the motion. Yeah, there's nothing changes other than the fact that she's still powering that arm around, and the ball just kind of, it's almost like, a, you know, the, the ball just kind of floats out. And, and, and the batter's swinging before the ball's even halfway to the plate, it seems like. It's just, it's just a beautiful changeup. And, and, but, yeah, I mean, she does it in a completely different way. She does it by fooling hitters. You know, Michaela is more of a, you know, overpower you, the occasional off speed, and then she's got, you know, Michaela's pinpoint accuracy is just sick as well. Uh, and then with Fultz, it's just, it's almost like very Maddox esque, you know? I mean, I hate the, you know. You know, I'm you not, don't want to, you know, put a class not, two softball yeah. pitcher against one of the greatest <laughs> yeah. big league pitchers. Of all I mean, time. I'm, I'm trying not to do that, but I mean, that's when you, when you kind of watch, you're like, well, she, you know, it, it's just very efficient. That's the style. Yeah, that's the style. She's very efficient, and, and, and she, she holds the damage down to the minimum, you know. Well, she, you know, like Cody said, if she's got second and third, would no, but would one out, you know. She she induces that ground ball out. She induces the short pop fly, and that's what I like about her is that it's not. It's just it's it's fun to watch because it's like, what is she throwing now? Oh goodness, man, does she fool that girl? For for you, what? I guess about that Page County defense, how does Allen Knight get them to be so fundamental so that they can have a pitcher that pitches to contact, thrive, and be successful, especially in these heightened situations where you're trying to repeat as a state champion? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can just point to the experience they have. I mean, he, he said last year during their run to the state championship that, that they barely had any errors at all throughout the entire postseason. He thought that was really the big key to them winning last year. And he said it hasn't been as good this year as he would have liked, but Throughout the postseason, they've slowly been getting better. You've seen less and less errors throughout the postseason, and especially in the last two games in the in the region championship against Madison, and, and then the win over Nottaway last week in the state quarterfinals. And, you know, it's been you know play after play after play um, th- from the defense that has really made the difference. Um, he he's kind of said, I mean, they they haven't been you know putting up double digit runs in the past couple of games. They haven't exactly been lining it up on the scoreboard, but when the defense is playing like that, they're going to be in any game, and you know. I think that's going to be the key for them in the this week, and especially you know in the semifinals against Richlands, um, they're probably going to, they're going to face another really good pitcher in Mac Osborne, and and it's probably going to be a low scoring game. It's kind of what Alan Knight has said he kind of expects the rest of the way, and it's going to come down to which team can make less errors, which team can play better defense, and if Page can kind of step it up like they have been so far, I think they've got a good chance. And it's going to come down to if Page County can finally start putting bunts down because they've done a horrible job of that. They they were terrible putting bunts down against Stewart's draft in the. 
uh, regional championship game. And when I was out at the Nottoway game, I think I saw him twice unable to put bunts down to advance runners. Now, when you're facing someone like Mac Osborne, and I, I just look, she's only a junior for crying out loud, Mac Osborne. I thought she was at least a fifth-year senior. Fifth-year uh, <laughs> senior. I mean, if you're facing someone like Mac Osborne, you got to be able to advance those runners because, you know, watch, I'll say this, she'll hit three home runs Thursday. But I don't think Kate Gordon's going to – not Kate Gordon, Maddie Gordon. Maddie Gordon. That's, that's the Gordon top twice in two weeks. Yeah. I don't think Maddie Gordon's going to probably hit one out of the ballpark against her, though she did – I think she had a double in last year's state title game against her. But anyway, uh, so, I mean, you, they got to advance those runners, and Alan Knight was pretty frustrated with that after the Stewart's draft game. You know, he's like, you know, the worst part is is we worked on it all week. You a long-time coach upset about fundamentals. I yeah, had that I'm there. stunned. <laughs> I'm stunned. I know. And I think that's going to pay that, – that, they got to get that together. It, you know, they, it matters in these heightened situations. It absolutely does because with pit, both pitchers are throwing up zeros, mm-hmm. that, that difference between moving somebody over and not – could, could be the difference in the game. Yeah, if you happen to get a walk against her, you better get that that player to second right quick. If you happen to get a double against her, or one out, you or no outs or one out, you better get her to third right quick. And the way to do that is, and I don't think they have a slap hitter uh, on Page County. You know, the way to do that is you got to you got to put down the bunt. And you got to get it done. And I'm sure they've been working on that. I'll guarantee you that's what they spent this past week working on more so is more bunts. Again, fun. Yeah. You know, lots, <laughs> lots, lots and lots of fun. So. Page County, they'll face Richlands. Uh, Page County last year beat Richlands three nothing, right? In the, in, in the title game, in the state championship game, yeah. So, what do you what do you kind of see here with the rematch? Is, as you get it around earlier in this year's semifinal, how do you kind of evaluate Richlands? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? We talked about the pitcher already. Yeah, I mean, talking about Mike last week, he said they're basically facing the same team they faced last year. It's it, both teams have a lot of experience back. Both teams rely on their pitching, um, so it's going to be you know almost a, the exact same game as we saw last year in the state championship game. Um, you know, like Jim's already mentioned, Mac Osborne's kind of the leader right there in the, in the circle. Um, they're, they're an experienced group. This is their third straight year in the state tournament, uh, so they they have you know just as much experience as Paige does on the big stage. So it's just going to be two very you know kind of veteran filled teams with a lot of experience just going at it. I think it's going to be a great pitching matchup and a great defensive battle. And it's a team that's going to want to avoid you know, we're looking ahead a little bit, but Richlands is a team that's going to want to avoid being runner-up the third straight year. They were run-up to Madison County 2017, Page County last year. That's in pain. Yeah, and you know that when you're that close, and you know, you know, you wanted that much, that much bad or worse, that much bad, or I almost said, my goodness gracious. It's all right. I'm a writer, not a talker. Uh, but I mean, with it, with that said and done, I mean, if Page can get the, that fundamental down of of bunting, to me, that was the the one red flag that I saw in the latter part of the season. Specifically, that regional championship game and the 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 state semifinal game or state quarterfinal game against Nottaway. I, I think you know they got a they got as good a shot at anybody. But man, Mac Osborne has only gotten better. Obviously, I mean, she had a 18 strikeout, perfect six inning game. Uh, you know, it's not fair. Yeah, and so I mean, they, you know, they're going to be facing a heck of a pitcher who can hit as well. She's hitting 461. Uh, so I mean, you got to watch out both the arm and the bat. Well, and, and when you look at the, just looking at the four teams left, you're talking about three. Three of these teams have been on the biggest stage in the past three, two years. So you know, R- Richland's lost to Page last year, and Richland's lost to Madison County the year before. That's three of the four semifinalists in this year's bracket. So you're talking about a lot of experience here between all these teams, and and you know, a lot of teams that have have played on this stage before. 
Yeah, should make for a couple of fun days down there at, at Radford. From Page County softball to Page County baseball now, a smooth transition there. The Panthers, uh, they'll face Lebanon in the semifinals. And out of all the, the, the rainouts and, and uh, I guess kind of what you make of the rainout, I guess the one big one, and at least it's been talked about here locally, is that T.R. Williams is going to get the pitch again. Jim, you do have a counterpoint to yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's fine. Celebrate that all you want. But the, the flip to that is Matthew Buchanan, the Virginia commit for Lebanon, who's also a sophomore, who's 11-0, gets the pitch again as well. Because, I mean, you're looking at your two number twos going at it, and uh, and Cole Stutes is Lebanon's number two, who's very, very, very serviceable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, now here you get, you know, if you're a Commonwealth baseball fan, this is kind of the game you kind of want to watch because here's the future. Here's these two guys are weekend starters at some point in their college careers. Right. They'll you know? be facing off in the ACC one day yes, in, yeah, instead of exactly. uh, instead of the VHSL state tournament. Cody, how you're going to be covering this one? How excited are you to watch these two pitchers go at it? And how how have both teams looked at it as, you, as you've done your prep work uh, for 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 Thursday? Oh, I think Wayne Comer said it all. I mean, he he just said you know. If we go down, we have it. We're going down with our best, and, and if we beat them, we're beating their best. And I, th- I mean, I think any true competitor, that's what you want to. That's what you want to do. And and you know, he kind of said, if we get to the final on Friday, we'll just give it. You know, we'll take a chance and give it our best shot. And I, and I think that's. I think that just makes, like you said, for a more intriguing matchup. Um, I think this is one of the more attractive games of the weekend for across. You know, all the games taking place, just because you've, like you said, you've got two very high profile names there on the mound. Um, I think it's going to be a great game, and I think it's going to be obviously another low-scoring battle, and it'll be interesting to see how TR kind of handles that that Lebanon lineup, um, you know, averaging 14 runs over their last five games, 71 runs in total, um, won 15-1 to in their quarterfinal win over Appomattox. So just a, a really, really lethal lineup. They've got a shortstop, Preston Steele, who's also committed to Virginia Tech like TR is. So, you know, a lot of Division One talent there on the field for a Class Two baseball game. So it'll be it'll be a, a fun game to watch. And there's a lot of veteran coaching here. I mean, you got you got Wayne Comer, who's 75 years old, has been coaching in the in the area for for it seems like forever. But down in Lebanon, you got Doc Adams, who retired at, he retired in 2012 with 353 wins to his name. Came back four years ago to take over the program once again. And I mean, and, and you look at you know the talent for a small school, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're two losses on the year. One's to Virginia High, which Page County knows very well. They beat them in the state championship game last year. The other one's the Tennessee High, which is in Bristol, Tennessee, which is in the largest classification of Tennessee High of the TSSAA, and went to the loss in the second or first or second round of substates. So that's a good baseball team. The largest classification in the neighboring state that went all the way to substates is one of their two losses. And the other, and, you know, Virginia High is also class two, but I mean, that's a, that's a rivalry it's a good game. Team. Good team. Yeah, and it's a rivalry game. I mean, everyone knows if you want to get, everyone down there knows if you want to get to Radford, okay, you got to go through exit seven, John Battle, and you got to go through, you know, Virginia High at exit five. And, uh, Actually, three. Excuse me, I was off. On, you've off been you've been away from that area yeah. for a while, and and that's you know, and Doc knows that, and Doc's got this team back here, and and granted with with ton of talent on it, but I mean, you know, does that Page County is that Page County team going for their possible second straight state championship if Wayne Comer isn't coaching? 
You know, I don't know. I mean, we can debate that. Is Lebanon go, is Lebanon in the Final Four without Doc Adams coaching, even with this talent? I don't know. We can debate that. Uh, but it's going to be. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm offering Cody like three hundred dollars in, in uh, tax free money to change places with them. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was about to say I'm, I'm okay with the switch there. <laughs> I mean, no such offer. He's no such offer. Come back and get me. <laughs> well, T.R. Williams. Let's just let's just look at his stats real quick going into this one. Eight and two. Uh, he's given up 24 hits and 14 walks, uh, but he's also struck out a tw- 127 <laughs> opposing hitters and has a .63 earn run average over 66 and two-thirds innings. When is he at his best? When is he at his worst? Is there a huge difference between the two? What kind of chance does he give Page County in this one going against another future Division One pitcher. Well, he hasn't been at his worst very often this year. I mean, he's been he's been pretty much electric every performance. Actually, you could argue the, the quarterfinal win over King William was the roughest outing he's had, just because he gave up more than a run or two. Um, you know, even his his two losses throughout the year, the Riverheads lost. I think he gave up two runs, and then against Luray, he gave up one. So you're talking about a guy who's given up six earned runs on the year. He hasn't. You know, it's been very hard to find any any faults in the way he's played this year. Um, um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of responds from that quarterfinal outing. He wasn't, like I said, wasn't the T.R. Williams we've, we've become used to seeing, but he also is now playing in the state tournament where you are going to see you know, better lineups, and this Lebanon lineup is probably as good as he's going to see. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes out there. Um, I think you know he's got to set the tone early. If he's going to have a big day, get a couple of strikeouts there early and kind of set the tone, um, and then we'll see how it goes from there. If Page County gets by Lebanon, who are they throwing in the in the next one, and, and do they try to just kind of piece that last game together? I think it's going to be a, a kind of a back committee approach. You know, you've got Caleb uh, Caleb Hilliard, um, Chase Combs, and Taryn Baker. All three of them have seen time at different times. They've all pitched about around 36, 37 innings this year. Um, I think they're all right in that exact range, actually. So three guys, and I think, you know, Wayne's kind of made it clear. He's, he's okay with any of those three. All three of them have shown the ability to get the job done at different times. Um, all three of them didn't fare so well the last time they pitched against Torch Draft in the Region 2B Championship game, but they have performed well throughout the regular season. And, you know, at that point, you know, Paige just kind of has to has to throw a gamble out there and go with it and see what happens. All right, so three teams left. How many are playing Friday? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split the difference, say two. Okay. I'll say two, yep. Okay, so there'll be two. That'll give you guys, you know, a game to cover each, right? Yeah. Uh, depending on the times. Uh, best shot to win it all. You want me to name a team? Yeah. Oh man! Oh goodness gracious! I, I will just say probably Page Baseball. Page Baseball. Yeah. Okay. What about for you, Cody? I'm actually gonna go TA Softball. Um, I could see I could see Page Baseball as well, and and I could see Page Softball too. But <laughs> I just feel really good about where that TA Softball team is now. And after watching them against Liberty Bedford in that championship game um, two weeks ago, uh, I, I feel like if they get back there and they play them again, that could be a, a really special game. And I, I could see them coming out on top. But see, that's where I'm torn. Is I don't I'm trying to figure out if they if they get to that point. And let's say that you know we are they do play Friday. Is can they get over that Liberty Bedford hump? And and I and I go back and forth on it a lot because you know Millie, Millie Thompson, you know quieted those bats. And but at the same point, I mean that video that kind of went up after there you know where <laughs> there were the Millie Thompson was wearing one of the cowboy hats that uh, that T A was wearing in the dugout that they that 
Liberty Bedford wasn't wearing before the TA game. Uh oh. There she is with a, one of the cowboy hats on. <laughs> and, you know, if I'm Carly Davis or I'm Michaela Sizik and I'm one of those seniors, I'm Ashton, Ashton Richmond and I'm watching, and I'm a senior and I'm watching that and I see that video online, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm grabbing all those freshmen, sophomore, and juniors going, what? Uh, it was it, it was talked about on Tuesday last week at practice. I mean, they, that, there's no love lost there between those two teams. Um, so, and I, I mean, you're you're talking about that's if, if those two teams were around here, that's that's a Broadway TA type rivalry we're talking about. <laughs> and that's that's where I, that's where I'm torn though. It's like you know what 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 you know what gives is does Millie do the bats wait, if they get to that point does does the bats wake up wake up against Millie. Or does that just that anger and that, you know, they channel that, hey, you know, whatever, you know, they channel that a little bit, maybe a slight, I don't know what you want to call that, uh, a little bit of goading. I mean, do you channel that the right you take, way? You take whatever you can, right, yeah. in, in a championship game, so may, maybe they can do that. That's that's the question, though. Yeah, I, and I don't think they needed much motivation after the <laughs> way they, the game went last time they were down there. There was just a lot of tension in the crowd and in, the, in between the two dugouts. And then to add that video that, you know, they clearly saw throughout the week, I, it's just you know that's just it'd be it'd be great entertainment. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but I I think I, I'm I, I'm st- I'm still think Paige just because Paige soft or baseball just because I I like how the postseason's kind of set up in baseball in terms of the 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 strategy. I mean you know tomorrow or excuse me Thursday Page County's got to depend on its arm. Okay Friday they got to depend on their bats. And I kind of like, you know, if you if you decide to throw your only number one or your only ace in the semifinals, you know, you kind of gotta you you gotta have nice dugout. Let's get the bats rolling. Talk in the state championship game. And I kind of like how that's set up. And I think that setup, you know, makes it, you know, gives me gives Page Baseball uh, the edge. If you when you're asking me which one I think walks out of the state championship. So VHSL state tournament. We'll conclude this week. You get the semifinals Thursday, championships Friday. Jim will be covering Turner Ashby softball uh, early Thursday morning. They have a 9 a.m. start. And then Cody will be with Page County Baseball in the afternoon. So that's where it'll happen as far as the VHSL coverage is concerned. You can follow along dnronline.com or in the paper, Daily News Record. You can pick up a copy. Uh, but we're going to switch gears now and bring in Shane Metlin over the phone. Uh, talk a little JMU basketball, some roster uh, maneuvering going on with the Dukes as they start looking ahead to the 2019-2020 season. Shane, what's going on? Well, let's just start there. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Do it, do it, doing good. Good to have you on. Uh, like I said, Duke's doing a little roster manipulating as uh, they, they, they've brought in one player, uh, have one player leaving the program uh, in Matthew Urbach. So I want to start there on the player departing the program. It's been something we kind of talked about over the last couple of months with this basketball team that he's been in the transfer portal and kind of waiting to see how things shake out in Harrisonburg. But ultimately, Urbach has decided to leave. Yeah, you know... Like you said, he put his name in the transfer portal pretty early in the uh, spring in the process. Um, it was one of those guys that um, really the transfer portal was kind of designed for as somebody who wanted to see what his options were, wasn't exactly sure what his status at JMU was going to end up being uh, just as far as you know, playing time and scholarships available and things like that. And so um, it ended up playing out that they signed one more player 
another guard for this season, which was a little bit unexpected um, at this point and kind of came together quickly. And then once it did, he went to the coaches and said, yeah, I think I am going to go ahead and uh, look for a new school and, you know, place where he'll probably, he'll look for a place where, you know, there might be some more minutes available to him. And, you know, I think, you know, I don't have him in, 100% confirmed on this, but, you know, it's pretty a pretty certain thing that, you know, there just wasn't going to be a scholarship available for him for the coming year uh, with the signing of a sixth scholarship player in the incoming freshman class. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. And the, the guy they brought in uh, is Zion Dobbs. Uh, coming in as part of this recruiting class and, and very late in the process for a basketball recruit uh, to find a new home. How did it happen? How, how, how did James Madison land Zion Dobbs? Well, it's a kid they've been looking at for quite a while. He's from Fairmont, West Virginia, which is there. You know, I'm sure you know. It's right there, uh, kind of in the shadow of WVU. Yeah, just south, um, of, just south of Morgantown. Yep. Yeah, where, you know, Rob Summers, one of the JMU assistants, he played his college ball there. Uh, so he knew that area. He was had his eye on this kid for quite a while. And he's um, also the uh, teammate of a 2020 recruit named uh, Jalen Bridges, who JMU was really high on pretty early on, but has you know, since kind of uh, become a high major type player. I think a lot of people think he's probably going to end up at West Virginia. Um but, you know, so they had a really good high school team there. Um, and Zion Dobbs, I think, has kind of maybe sort of blossomed into a, you know, legit Division One prospect maybe, you know, the last nine months or so. His stock has really risen. Um, and JMU was sort of early in on him. Uh, but there was, you know, kind of – questions about whether or not, you know, because his was sort of maybe a late bloomer and his stock was rising, if he might be a guy who would go to a prep school, do a postgraduate year, come in that 2020 class. Um, so JMU kind of had that offer out to him, but it was sort of up in the air which class he would end up being in. Um, and once he decided that, yes, he did want to commit to JMU, and yes, he did want to go ahead and get his college career started, um, you know, it all kind of came together quickly. When I talked to him the day he committed, he was, you know, less than a week away from moving to Harrisonburg, <laughs> which uh, they, the guys moved in uh, on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it all came together pretty quickly there in the end. And he, you know, became – they were actually bringing in seven freshmen in this class. Six of them were going to be on scholarship. Also, Dalton Jefferson, the preferred walk-on from East Rock. So – you know, big class, a lot of new faces coming in, but with a core group still, uh, four starters coming back. It'll be interesting to see how it all merges together, but, you know, the way that played out, it added made it, uh, so they had 14 guys who, at one point, at least anyway, had kind of been promised a scholarship, and I think, um, I'm pretty sure they had talked to some of the guys on the team, you know, Matthew Erbach in particular, about the fact that if, um, a transfer or somebody late did want to come in that, you know, maybe that scholarship was, you know, a flexible situation. But, you know, you obviously understand why somebody also did want to look for a situation where, you know, he could get back on scholarship, maybe have more playing time, things like that. Especially after he shows the promise there late in the season last year. Yeah, no, it's interesting for sure. So Urbach out and Dobbs in. 
What's to like about this roster with James Madison as, as, it, as it looks pretty complete at this point uh, for the upcoming winter? Um, well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, a lot of this is sort of, you know, speculation things you hear, you know, see bits and pieces of guys. But I feel like they should probably be able to play a style that is a little bit more what Lewis Rowe has always wanted to bring to JMU, but they just hasn't quite had the personnel to quite do it that way since he's been at JMU. Um, you know, you look at the team last year, and they had three really good players in Matt Lewis, Stucky Mosley, and Darius Banks, Stucky Mosley being a senior. They're three really good players, but they all kind of play the same two-guard position. And then, so, you know, I wonder if at times maybe things were a little bit, you know, just mucked up from having three guys playing the same position who all – you know, we're talented enough to control the ball a little bit, take a lot of shots, things like that. Uh, they're going to be bringing in some guys who are a little bit bigger guards, you know, almost kind of like can play the three or like a stretch four type of situation with Julian Wooden from Roanoke and uh, especially Michael Christmas. You know, is probably the most heralded recruit in the class coming in. I think you'll probably see him on the floor with, um, you know, Darius and, Matt Lewis kind of playing the two and the three and maybe go a little bit smaller lineup. Whereas last year they ended up with Darius Banks playing the four a lot of the time. And he's just kind of, you know, he's tough and he was able to do it to some degree, but um, he's more of a guard. He really is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at six, five. So um, I think Michael Christmas might be a guy who's a little bit more able to post up and guard a, you know, a small forward or, or four guy for another team. And take a little pressure off of uh, you know banks, especially defensively, who kind of had a tendency to get foul trouble. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So Lewis Rowan company uh, really shoring up. Uh, this this roster for the coming season, uh, Shane said, you got freshmen uh, on campus. Uh, so Duke's basketball already moving on to 2019-2020. Uh, the season, you know, not too far away. I know we got football first, Shane, but uh, basketball season, it'll be here before you know it. Uh, and I did want to touch on one football item uh, before we wrap up on this week's edition of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Uh, former James Madison football standout author Motes, uh, retiring from the NFL, announced uh, his decision on social media Monday. Uh, played for the Steelers, was drafted by the Bills, spent four years in Buffalo before signing that four-year contract with Pittsburgh. And then it was on to Arizona this past season where he uh, played until he got hurt. Uh, and then he was, uh, and then he was out, but has retired uh, from the NFL. And decided to do that. Uh, I, I think you know, you look back in terms of James Madison players in the NFL, and Moat certainly uh, is is up there with with some of the best of them. Uh, 2009 Buck Buchanan Award winner Shane. What was kind of your reaction? Uh, I know you're a football fan. Uh, you cover basketball. You know the NFL though. Uh, what was kind of your reaction when you saw Arthur Motes, uh hanging it up? Oh, I feel good for any guy who plays in the NFL and gets to kind of retire on his own terms of announcing it and saying, you know, I want to be done and move on to another part of my life. And it's not, you know, because that's kind of not the norm, you know. Oh, the yeah. uh, average career is, what, four or five years? And you right. kind of sometimes just sort of fade away into uh, obscurity when you just don't get signed. So, um, you know, that, that in itself is a big accomplishment for somebody to play almost a decade and say, I'm retired now, and now I'm moving on to the next part of my life. So 
you know, you kind of got to feel good for anybody who can do that. And Moti, he's got a uh, pretty sweet, I guess, after football career already, it looks like, is lined up. Uh, he's hosting a radio show in Pittsburgh. He's doing a podcast up there. Uh, really beloved by Steeler fans, too. Uh, so he's kind of set there in Pittsburgh and uh, has a promising post-playing career lined up. So uh, that's your football note of the week, along with your JMU Hoops news as we kind of get you caught up on what's been going on with the Dukes. Uh, Shane, I know you got a, you got a visit with the women's basketball team coming up, right? Yeah, yeah, i got to uh, talk to uh, Coach John O'Regan here pretty soon and uh, get some stuff on the women's basketball, get caught up on where they stand now that uh, they're getting everybody back on campus now too and getting them. Um, some of their freshmen in, so we'll see what they're doing and what they're up to, and uh, probably talk about them a little bit next week. Sounds good, Shane. I uh, appreciate you taking time to, to stop by and then talk on the Rocktown Sports Pod again. Uh, for Cody and Jim, who are off to, uh, you know, the, the Rad, Radford and, and Pulaski uh, to cover the high school championship, as well as Salem uh, to cover the VHSL state championships with TA and Page County. Uh, big thanks to those guys. Uh, but for Shane, Cody, and Jim, I'm Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.